Chapter 35, Moshe has come down the mountain with the second tablets. And in chapter 35, Moshe gathers all of the people. Vayakel Moshe, et koradat b'nei Yisrael. Moshe then convenes, gathers together, the entire Israelite community. Vayomer alehem, these are the things that God has commanded you to do. And Moshe continues in the next a couple of verses, next two verses, to talk about the law of the Shabbat. Sabbath law. You work may be done for six days. But the seventh day shall be sacred. Shabbat Shabbaton Rashem, a day of complete rest, Shabbat Shabbaton. The term Shabbat Shabbaton was used later in the Torah in reference to Yom Kippur, but actually here it's used in connection to Shabbat. Whoever works on the Sabbath shall be put to death, capital offense. Then Moshe and the Torah single out one particular violation of the Shabbat, you shall not kindle any fire throughout your settlements, habitations, on the day of Sabbath, Shabbat. So here, and this is prior to the next verse, which will be the instructions about how to build this tabernacle, how to build the Mishkan, now that Moshe has the tablets, and they're the work of God, the Mishkan can be built. Everything else in the Mishkan is human-made. The architect, Betzalel, and his helpers, and the volunteers, the wise men and women, talented men and women, will build the entire Mishkan. The only thing they couldn't build were the tablets. And now Moshe has the tablets. So it's interesting, here again, prior to the building of the Mishkan, we have Moshe's directive about the Shabbat. And as we remember, at the end of the instructions to build the Mishkan, back in chapter 31, there too, after God gave Moshe the instructions about what to do, at the end of that, we had a section in chapter 31 on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath. It's actually very interesting that when Moshe came down the mountain in chapter 34, the Torah says that when Moshe came down the mountain, and he came down the mountain, the, the light, there were beams of light radiating from his face, Karan or Panav, and the people saw this. Back in chapter 34, verse number 30, when they saw Moshe, who came down the mountain, and his face was radiating light, they were frightened. Faikra Awayhem Moshe in verse thirty-one, Moshe called them. So Moshe called Aaron and the uh, chieftains, the Nasiim, the heads of the tribes. Moshe convened them, Moshe spoke to them. And afterwards, the Israelites came close. And Moshe commanded them, 
or might say instructed them, all that God had spoke to Moshe at Mount Sinai. That refers, no doubt, to chapter 34, the additional rules that God gave Moshe at the end of chapter 34 about the covenant and other such rules. When Moshe finished speaking to them, he put back a mask. He was wearing a mask because the light was frightening. So what's described at the end of chapter 34, what it sounds like, is when Moshe comes down the mountain, it sounds like he's actually teaching the people, instructing the people what he was taught. That's explicit about the people in general in verse number 32. And in verse 31, Moshe called Aaron and the Nesim, the chieftains, and spoke to them, and presumably speaking to them also revolves about what he had been taught. So he actually first speaks to Aaron, and then he speaks to the Nesim, or perhaps together with the Nesim, and then he speaks to the people generally to command them. The Torah, though, does not give us any specifics about what Moshe taught them. We know earlier what was told to Moshe, but the Torah here doesn't spell any particular thing out. But when it comes to chapter 35, when Moshe gathers all the people, call Adat B'nai Yisrael, and now Moshe is about to instruct them about the building of this sanctuary. And here, Moshe singled out the mitzvah of the Shabbat. So what appears from the plain reading of the Torah is that the Shabbat carries with it another function in the biblical narrative. We know that the Torah, in the book of Exodus in particular, has a great focus on the on the Sabbath. Uh, it appears in the story of the man, the manna in chapter 16, it, of course in the Ten Commandments, in chapter 20, now twice in conjunction with the Mishkan. You know that Pharaoh had explicitly said, I can't give them a Shabbat. Moshe had requested that the people be given time to serve their God, three-day journey in the desert. Moses says Pharaoh, Tashbitu et am, you'll cause the people to stop working. That doesn't work for Pharaoh. He doesn't want them to stop working. So the Shabbat is a central mitzvah in the book of Exodus, but here he actually takes on another function. The commandment to observe the Shabbat and the, what Moshe emphasizes, not just the commandment, the sacredness of the day, it's a holy day. Holiness in the Torah involves limitation. Today, where you don't work. And it's a capital offense. One might see this as very severe, very austere. But actually, in the Torah, it has another function. The people and God had been separated from each other. God had said, I can't dwell with you. And God had even threatened to destroy them back in chapter 32. The giving of the commandment of the Shabbat, with all its stringencies, is Moshe and the Torah's way of saying, you are back in God, God's graces. God respects you. God cares for you. And God commands you. The commandment and the responsibility to observe the commandment is presented from God's perspective, as Moshe sees it, as evidence that the people are deeply connected to God. The deeper the relationships, the more demands are made on all sides.
And this is a sign to the people. Before they can build the tabernacle, they need a sign that they're back in God's good graces. What it reminds me of, actually, is the story in the beginning of the Torah of Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel. We know the story, chapter 4 of Genesis. Cain, jealous of his brother Abel, kills his brother. God had accepted the offering of Hevel, of Abel, but not of Cain. And Cain, angered by this, enraged by this, killed his brother. And God calls him on this. Your brother's blood cries out from the ground, and now you are cursed, and you will be an exile. And Cain said to God, Godol avonim in soul. Literally, my sin, or could be the punishment for my sin, is too great to bear. I'm a wanderer over the face of the earth. Anybody who finds me will destroy me, will kill me. Vayasem Hashem l'kayin ot. So God gave Cain a sign, the mark of Cain, which is usually seen as a sign to demonstrate, to pronounce him guilty. But in the Torah, it actually functions the other way. It's a, it's a protective sign. God gave Cain a sign, that none should harm him. And Cain left the presence of God, says the Torah in chapter 4, by Hibonair. He became the builder of a city. He named the city after his son, Hanoch. Cain is the first builder. And the ability to build, the ability to make that effort, required for Cain a sign that in some sense he remains connected to God. Only the one who has an oat, the one who has been estranged by God, and now given the sign, the oat, can be the builder of cities. And in chapter 35 of the book of Exodus, we have precisely the same story, the same narrative, in connection with the golden calf and the Sabbath. The people are to be instructed, and are instructed in chapter 35, to build the sacred space, the dwelling place of the people and God. God will dwell amongst them, v'shachanti betocham. They have been deeply estranged from God due to the golden calf. And now, Moshe wants to inform them they are back in God's good graces. So Moshe says, we have the mitzvah of this Sabbath, the mitzvah of the Shabbat, with all its penalties. But the reader remembers what it said back in chapter uh, 31, when it talked about the Sabbath after the instructions, that the Israelites should observe the Sabbath. OT, it's a sign, it's an oath between me and you, says God, for all generations. The Sabbath is a covenantal sign. Only those who have the covenantal sign having once been estranged, can summon up the inner strength to build God's place, to construct the Mishkan, to construct the sanctuary.